1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Welcome to the program. It is Hook and Landry, and we're off and running after I took a bit of a beach vacation. But speaking of off and running, uh, Derek Henry's uh, pretty good. And, and we knew that. But, Chris, you just watched it yesterday, and we've talked about what four different quarterbacks could be MVPs this year. Uh, I think he inserted himself in the conversation. He's got to keep playing like it, but uh, that that was uh, a pretty amazing showing for the Titans.
0: Well, there's no doubt. He's a special back. I mean, he's he runs faster than his size would indicate. He's the biggest back in football. He, You know, this is a team that's built around – him in the running game, and so, you know, when people talk about the importance of running backs, well, um, he's really, really important. Now they're getting good quarterback play as well, but make no mistake about where the bread's buttered with this team. It it, it is about Derrick Henry. It is about the running game, and uh, he's a special back, man. He is uh, he is um, the best power back in the game. Now there are guys that or that are faster. They're guys that are a little bit niftier in the open field. They're guys that are a little bit better in the passing game. But in terms of a power back that can take over a game and put his team on its back, uh, finish a game when you got a lead, all those things, there's none better than that guy.
2: Let's go back. Um, As you know, I've said some incorrect things uh, in my life. Uh, Three, I think. Uh, I thought that I said at the time, if I were his dad – I would say you're too big, and I covered some camps with him in it. And I would say uh, a lot like Jalen Hurd, who I covered closely. You need to make the transition to perhaps defensive end. Did you ever think that when you looked at him, or was I just
0: uh, drinking something? Um, no, I think I think he certainly could have played that. Um, he's such he never wanted to. Um and he, he certainly fit the mold of what I call finishers at Alabama, the, f- the type of backs that can finish and take over a game. You know, what what I think has just been perfect for him is the fact that he went to a college program, and, and certainly Alabama has always had that feature-type back, that finisher, and he's the best of them all. And then, you know, going into the NFL, not everybody has that type of a back, but you've got in Mike Vrabel, a guy that believes in, hey, we're gonna we're gonna punish you, we're gonna finish you at the line of scrimmage in the running game, and um, he was just, uh, it's just a really good fit. But I, I don't know how, you know, if he ever took a move to defense seriously. Uh, at certain points of his career, he could have been an outside backer, and he probably could have been defensive end. There's no question that he had enough ability to do that.
2: So, yeah, that was somebody else that said that. It wasn't me. But um, I did. I I, I do watch him and I don't want to overreact because, you know, how people like me tend to do that the day after a game like that. But um, when you say special, what type of special are you talking about? Are you talking about a once every five years once every just as
0: far as a talent? Well, I think what it is, what makes him special is, is that he can take over a game and he is where this team's offense is built around. It is, it is a run focused offense that he takes over. He runs with power. He can run away from people. I mean, he gets a lot of big yardage and he just, the stiff arm is deadly. He he just is a, a, um, he's, he's basically the hub, you know, the engine, the hub of their entire offense and everything kind of are like the spokes around it that complement what he does. That's what makes him special. There's no back in the league where the offense is more focused on him, on just the one player than him. And there are a lot of great backs and, you know, Zeke's a back and Kamara's a a great back. And and, and they they do probably more things better. Um, but we're talking about a guy that's over two hundred and fifty pounds that can run and and he runs angry and he's a finisher. And and that means finishing games, finishing runs. Uh I think in terms of being able to take over, I you know, there look, there's there are a lot of guys that are big. There are a lot of guys that have run ability, but in today's game, he's really rare because you usually see guys that have either size or speed that fits one category or another. This guy does things in a complete fashion that is special in that I don't think they come around very often. They're good backs. I see good backs every year. and Alabama's had a lot of good ones, but He's been the best that they've had, and they've had they've had a lot of guys that have been really good. From Richardson, which which wasn't good in the NFL, but was really good. Uh, Going back to Mark Ingram, I can go back on and on, but he was probably the best of them in my mind, and he's certainly been the best in the NFL. I want to go to
2: college, but I do want to ask you just one more thing uh, about Derrick Henry and what they're doing with the Titans. I believe firmly that. Uh, Football has been cyclical over my life. Uh, The 3-4 was in vogue. The 4-3 was in vogue. um, And now what's in vogue is throwing the ball all over the park. And you've got the Ravens running what's much like a college offense. But could you see other teams trying to do what the Titans are doing? Or is it just the fact that there's not that many Derrick Henrys walking
0: around? Well what the Titans were are, very much old school. It's more of like right. what you have seen offenses do. So yeah, kind of what that's the way it used to be. And it's like, wow, look at that. You know, and I don't see that anymore. And, you know, um, look, I mean, we had Eddie George and, and, you know, I was in, involved in drafting him and he was really good back. And we ran a run one back system and it was, it was built around the run game. We threw it some with Steve McNair, but the game has changed. And I do think the fact that they can power you up and shorten the game, I, I, to me, I think there is room for that. I think you do need to find a – look, I, th- I think you can build around a good offensive line, and I think you may not find Derek Henry's, but you can find big backs that can focus on running it. But I think you also need to be able to make plays in the passing game. Look, I think there are different ways to do it. But the one thing that it comes down to at the highest level of college, and I'm talking about one in the national championship level teams or, and certainly in the NFL, you've got to be as effective running your four-minute offense as your two-minute offense. Meaning you've got to be able to get, you know, giddy up and score quickly. And you need to be able to throttle it down with a lead and be able to run power and force defenders in the box. So, force a loaded box. Then you've got some easy throws. You do that, easier on the quarterback. And I think the ability to do both relatively equally well is the key to being a complete offense. If you are deficient by a large margin at one of the two, you're not going to be good enough. Meaning, if you're Baltimore and you can't throw it well enough, then you know you can have a 14 and 2 record. But then when you get to the playoffs, you, you can't beat the Chiefs because if you get behind, you can't come back. You 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 have to have the game to go a certain way for you to win. If you're a team that's a two minute offense, but you can't run it and you can't shorten the game, then you 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 are vulnerable. If you have a game in which you have a few drops or things don't go, to, go your way, you can't play well enough defensively because you're, you're such high tempo. So the ability to play both is the key. And I think you can run an offense that if you have a great back and you run good power, but you still need to have a quarterback to be able to take advantage of loaded fronts so that you can throw the football. It means you have to have weapons in the passing game. And look, I think the Titans – are in that short list of, group of teams. I think they're in that group with Kansas City. In fact, I think they may be a little bit more uh, balanced than Baltimore. Um, I think Baltimore is a little bit better defense. I think I think it's the, the Titans, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Chiefs. Those are the teams in the AFC um, that are most intriguing and I do think Buffalo might deserve to be in that category too. And and, and so I I, th- I think there's some those are some really good teams that can compete and challenge the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs still might be the favorite.
2: Let's turn from the AFC to the SEC. And um just gonna ask you what what happened uh with Georgia? I mean you don't see a top five team very often get blanked in the second half, but what looked to be a close game for a while ended up forty-one to twenty-four. How despondent should Georgia fans be?
0: Well, they are. Whether I think they should or not, they are despondent. They're, <laughs> they're, they are. Look, I I think when you get this Georgia team down, Dave, and they gotta, they can't run their passing game through the run game, meaning they can't run play action. They, they're they're not going to get it done at the highest level. They don't have a sophisticated enough passing attack in breaking down the tape. And I, I watched the game live and made notes and went back and studied the tape early Sunday. And you know, I saw a few things. I saw a lot of guys that were open. And I think I think Bennett, couple of things in the pocket struggled, missed guys. Now some of it was you know height in the pocket, some balls batted down. I think it affected looking at the end zone in the intercut, looking at the end zone view, I could see maybe he's not able to see it quickly enough because of his height being height deficient. And then there are times where he's just late with the ball. And then there are times he was just a little inaccurate. They missed open receivers. You can't do that. Um, They're so reliant on the running game in their defense that can take you only so far. They probably could win the rest of their games with their defense and the running game in Stetson Bennett, but they're not going to beat Alabama, and they're not going to beat a playoff caliber team unless they develop a passing game better. Um, it, it's what I just said about they can run a four-minute offense. They can't run a 2 man. I mean, they, they try to run tempo, but they're not good enough in the passing game. And, no, I don't think it's all doom and gloom, but I think Kirby needs to look hard at this and i know he's reticent to maybe go with another quarterback i i i think depending on his health getting jt daniels ready as quick as possible is about the only chance that georgia has to make a deep run meaning you know have any chance of beating alabama in the sec championship game for example they they're going to have to do that and i i know that boy switching the quarterback turning the football over potentially is the only way they'll lose, but but I I think they need to be able to to enhance their passing attack because that's what they're lacking. They just are not consistent enough with it, and you go it up against an Alabama team. I mean that's it. That's a great defense that Georgia has. Alabama torched them for five hundred, almost six hundred yards. That's that Alabama offense, Dave. I think at the same stage is better than LSU's offense last year. Wow. Think about That's this. That's pretty strong. Now, now let's see how it finishes out. I don't, I'm just telling you, this is a better offensive line, a better power run game. Um Matt Jones has been outstanding. I mean, he's been Joe Burrow esque, and my God, there was receivers. Holy mackerel. I mean, it's just, you know, they're hitting them in stride. They can throw it deep. They can throw it short. They can attack zone. They can attack man. They can run power. They can run outside. They don't have a weakness on offense at all. And we saw them shut out Georgia in the second half. Well, again, like I think maybe people may have overreacted to how bad Alabama's defense looked against Ole Miss. Uh, against Georgia in the second half, they were able to compress, play a lot of zone and defend tip balls. And again, you're playing a Georgia offense that is a pass oriented offense, excuse me, that it had to be a pass first offense and they're not a pass oriented offense and, and it, it allowed them to have success. So we'll see how much these Alabama defense will develop, but this offense is scary. Good speaking of potentially switching quarterbacks um mm. Jeremy Pruitt
2: um and and the balls get get beat soundly by Kentucky 34 to 7 because mainly of the, their own mistakes um would you look at a possible switch there with Jared Garantano?
0: I absolutely would I'm not at practice every day um so I don't know what's going on but but here's what I would say to that I say that they've got to get more out of the quarterback position. Again, they've got to get more out of the passing game. To me, Jeremy's building a program or trying to build a program in the same mold that Kirby's doing at Georgia. And it's ironic. I mean, it's it's a microcosm. It's just that they're not as good defensively. They don't have as good a personnel. They're trying to build an offensive line, a running game, and a defense. And it's like they're trying to marginalize their quarterback as much as possible. I think he can only hide it so much. I think Garantano at times will will be effective, but for the most part has been wildly inconsistent, mistake-prone, and as you alluded to, just killed themselves against a very well-coached Kentucky defense that's just playing great defense and turning the ball over, and um, that killed them. It killed any chance they have to be competitive. So the mistakes, the mental errors killed them. I absolutely think you got a I I know they had a scrimmage last Sunday. Harrison Bailey, I think, you, I think you need to look at that, and I think you need to – going forward to see what you have and develop. Um, I know they need to win as many games as they can, but that was a major step back. Didn't you think against Kentucky? I mean, it was just a, it was awfully prepared mistake prone. They got whipped by Kentucky. And what I got out of it was Kentucky so much better coach, so much better prepared. So that had, had to be a very humbling experience for Tennessee, which we're kind of building off of the second half of last year. Right. And then, boy, they're off to a good start and they're ready. And okay. You know, you, you get beaten by Georgia, but you get back on the horse and you'll beat old Kentucky that you've beaten for 17 straight years over there. Uh, -uh, that was, that was really bad. And now it's, you're getting ready to go into Alabama and it's going to get, you know, very, from a confidence level standpoint, it's going to give you a further issues. So I don't know what they do there. I don't know that this is the week necessarily I want to start the young, the new quarterback, but I need to get that. I need to get a young quarterback ready to go in, in Knoxville. Okay. You, you said something
2: that I kind of see a different way. And that was, uh, Pruitt needs wins. And I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you're referring to his his job security.
0: That well, he, I I don't mean he's gonna lose. I just think that if he ends up with a four-win season, it's it's I mean, I, I think he's trying to build a program by in a sound I, I don't think he is in any danger at all of losing his job this year or next year, at all. They gave him the extension. So if he loses the rest of the games this year, he's he's I mean, he's coming back. I mean, he has an awful year. He's I mean, they just paid him too much money. I don't mean that, but as he's trying to build a program, boy, if, you know, into recruiting and finishing off recruiting, which everybody says recruiting is great. They hadn't signed those guys yet. No. So and a I mean, lot of those
2: guys haven't visited yet,
0: either. Yes. Well, correct in this current environment. So what I'm saying is if they get in and you know all of a sudden going to Arkansas ain't, ain't gonna be a Piccadilly Circus now. You know what I mean? It's that that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. A and M. Auburn looks bad and Vanderbilt, Florida. I mean, Dave, I you know, there are not many, you know, absolute wins on that schedule yet. I mean, left. I mean, if you look at it, I mean they got the two wins. Now they've got the two losses. They're going to get their third loss this week. It's Arkansas, Auburn and Vanderbilt. That could be, that's your five wins right there. If you're able to beat Arkansas. And and I think we see how difficult that is. And that's, that's going to be, you know, something that is going to be tough to, build upon, not, not job security, but I think he needs to win. And I think he needs to, to, to really start to build it with a young quarterback and he's got to get that guy ready to go as quick as he can.
2: Well, that's, that was going to be my point. In some ways, if you change quarterbacks, it gives the fans some optimism, especially if he right. if plays well. So does that ever creep into coaches' minds or are they always like, I got to play who gives me the best chance to win? Or do you ever think, Hey, it wouldn't hurt to win the PR battle either.
0: Yeah, I don't worry about the PR battle. I'm looking at it strictly from, and again, this is difficult because maybe the young kid just clearly doesn't know what he's doing and you don't want to put him in a situation. And I'm not so sure that putting him in against Alabama is the best, you know, entry point for him. But I think you need to start to at least give him a series or two. You got to start working that. I think you got to look towards building towards the future. And it's not Garantano with the future. I mean, it's it's not. Um, I mean, look, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between what Georgia has to do. It's just that Georgia's on a different level than Tennessee's Tennessee's trying to build something. Georgia's got a program that's trying to take that next step, but they're both trying to figure out their quarterback situation. And I think he's got to get the young quarterback to give yourself a better chance to win. Um Obviously, he doesn't feel like the young guy's ready to go. I I think that um, if it's close, Dave, you go with the younger guy and develop him.
2: No, I'm with you. Uh, Most surprising uh, game of the weekend as we kind of round out the SEC was at South Carolina beating Auburn, who's ranked 15th, but goodness gracious, we don't have half the teams playing, so the rankings really don't mean anything. Or was it Arkansas, pretty soundly coming out and beating Ole Miss? What was what was the most surprising?
0: Well, I, I look. I thought the most surprising was what we just talked about—the right. Kentucky beatdown of Tennessee. I thought South Carolina had a pretty good chance against Auburn the way they're playing. Um, I did think that Ole Miss would score enough points to make it difficult for Arkansas to win. So I give a lot of credit and, you know, it looked like Ole Miss, Dave. It looked like Ole Miss kind of left some of their game in Oxford against Alabama, didn't it? I mean, it was just kind of like, I didn't see the energy. I didn't see the tempo. All the things that had success against Alabama, they really weren't doing against Arkansas. I can tell you this now, that's the story of the league thus far. I mean, the coach of the year, the guy that's surprised of the league, No doubt it's Arkansas because, listen, you all what your record says it were, but that call, Auburn kind of got away with that one against Arkansas. Arkansas should be 3-1, and which in and of itself is just incredible because I did not see that. And the way they're playing and how they're playing, Barry Odom is the leading candidate this early for Broyles Coach of the Year Award, Assistant Coach of the Year Award. Um, he's been outstanding. And I think Kendall Braz has done a good job with the offense. I, this, this has been the most pleasant surprise in the SEC this year is Arkansas. Not just, I mean, they're not, they're more than just competitive Dave. They're, they're a problem when you play them. And I don't think, you know, we just talked about it with Tennessee. It just talked about it with anybody that they play. Um, and they got a, a little break. They go to AM. and Tennessee, Florida, LSU, Missouri. I mean, it's just, they're not going to be fun for anybody to play against.
2: No, I don't think they are. What do we need to know about the big 10 who that gets rolling this week? I I know Ohio state's a national championship contender, but what else do we need to know? Who are some key names?
0: I think we need to keep an eye. I think Ohio state, um, will prove to be one of the four best. Now, you know, I, I think if they're six and zero, oh, you know, people are gonna hem and haw about that. Dave, talent wise, are really good, and I, I want to see how they develop in a short year because normally you take two, three, four games to kind of settle in. Well, when they take three, four games in, they're rounding out their season. So I don't know if they're going to be able to get to their peak point. But then the other thing is, are you going to have a second contender? Can somebody else be good enough? To be a factor. I don't think that they'll have enough games other than Ohio State for a Big Ten team to be a factor. But I'm looking at Georgia. I don't I think Florida's kind of played their way out of it with their loss to AM. I don't think AM, even if they ran the table, would, would be a factor. So where's that fourth team coming from nationally? Because I do think as I thought the beginning of the year, I thought Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama were three of the four. I thought Georgia, and I still think Georgia has a chance to be that fourth team. But, you know, it, it could be another beating against Alabama so they have two loss against Bama. <laughs> and then who's, you know, I mean, who's the fourth team, though? I mean, it's, we got to let that play out. But for the Big Ten, it's I want to see who's second best. I want to see if Penn State, I want to see if Wisconsin, what type of team they can have. But I do think it's it's all about Ohio State. Because I think that is a team that's capable of winning the national championship. And I don't think, even though there'll be arguments against it, I think the way they will look, the quote-unquote eyeball test, when it's all said and done, I think people will say, yeah, that's one of the four best, regardless of the record. People will complain in the SEC and probably want four SEC teams or three in Clemson, but I think that's what we need to look The other thing to look for is, not, not – I think a, a, an Indiana's can surprise some people. I think this Michigan-Minnesota game to start the season could be a lot of fun. So I'm excited to have the league uh, get back into play. But it's all about Ohio State and who can finish second best.
2: Okay, let's pretend it's Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, top three teams. And you're right, Alabama does beat – let's say you're right uh, – Georgia twice. So it's going to be awfully hard to let them in with with two losses, especially one that was pretty sound early in the season. If I made you bet as of October the 19th, who would be the fourth team?
0: (laughs) I don't have a fourth. I honestly don't. There's not a team that even looks remotely close like a playoff caliber team. So what it will come down to in that scenario is kind of like last year when they it, it didn't even have a team that looked like a really viable fourth, but we got to pick somebody, right? And it was Oklahoma. So, the candidates would be Oklahoma State, you know, finish off the job in the Big 12 and go unbeaten. That would be a candidate. Uh, is there a... Um, I, I, if, 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 if AM finishes the schedule. They won't have to play Bama again. They would be a one loss team. Would they be in the mix? You won losses to Alabama early in the year. You got beat decisively. I don't see AM as a playoff caliber team. I think they're good. They're improved. So they're not. I don't think there's a second team in the Big Ten that's worthy of it. I don't think there's a Big 12 team worthy of it. And I don't know that Georgia is going to prove to be worthy of it. I think if Georgia plays Alabama close, Dave, in an SEC championship game, that might give them the knot. In essence, I think we're going to have three, and I think we're going to have somebody that we're not really excited about. All right, let's say Notre Dame, which looks a little bit like Georgia. Let's say Notre Dame runs the table, but plays Clemson competitively and loses. Would they be? You throw them in the mix. In essence, we're gonna have to hold our nose on the fourth team and let somebody in because there's not gonna be four that looks like it in my mind. No. That's the way I see it today. Now no. they change It may change down the road if they if they look it, they look it, but right now I do not see I do not see a I don't see a fourth. And I look, I can't sit there and tell you, yeah, I, I really like the way Ohio State's playing ahead and played. I just know what their potential <laughs> is. So I might after four weeks say you know what Ohio state doesn't look, but that's that's what i'm anticipating okay one
2: one last question if I'm, i may and we'll, we'll join you sure. each, each and every week oh, what's a piccadilly circus
0: yeah i don't know that's an old saying i <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You know i heard that, that one somewhere in time i heard that described there sometime that's a it's a good point it is <laughs> supposed to be something fun i don't know i
2: I've never heard that before. Picadilly Circus.
0: Yeah, I, picked
2: circus. I,
0: picked up, I picked up a few uh, uh, over 30 plus years on the scouting Or That's one of them I can say on uh on on podcast. I yeah. guess you can say a lot on podcasts, but I, I don't I like I don't like to do dirty talk on podcasts like some folks. I no, there, we, there's we, some there's some things. I you're an old radio guy, so I respect that. Hey, I, I still I still talk as if the FCC is gonna make a phone call. Right.
2: If you have to go blue, um, then okay, I I, I understand it because some people aren't that funny. Uh, But there are some that get away with it, like Howard Stern, and uh, he makes $30 million a year. I would probably say doing some bad that, words. Yeah. yeah, I would probably say some bad words for thirty
0: million dollars a year. Yeah, I probably would too. I'd probably. Uh, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, it wouldn't be Piccadilly. Well, that's why he makes thirty million a year, and I'm just a dumb old football scout. So. <laughs> right, we'll Piccadilly We'll talk to you next week. Um, Hook and Landry. Check out
2: LandryFootball.com if you want to learn more about football. It is fantastic, and uh, those breakdowns that Chris is doing—he's dead serious about. it. He's watching the game live. He's posting updates then, and he's breaking it down with the coach's view. For those of you who don't know, the 11-on-11, 11 11, and I'm sorry, you just can't see as much on TV, so it's easy to blame that safety or that corner, but uh, it's kind of a breakdown that you, you just can't get anywhere else. For Chris Landry, I'm Dave Hooker. We'll talk to you next week.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty
1: 18 plus.